Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Exodus how God told Moses to tell Israel that he had been sent to them by the God of their forefathers. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Uh, sometimes I just catch myself and some feeling inside and I say to myself, I know I should be worrying about something, but I forgot what I should be worrying about. And so I think I should just start worrying. I don't know what it is. I'll remember it later, but I, why waste the time? We have valuable time here, so let's take up the time worrying, and then we'll remember later what we should be worrying about. Sometimes feel like I just received the Jewish telegram. You know what the Jewish telegram is? The Jewish telegram reads like this. Start worrying, details to follow. <laughs> so God does not want us to do that. God does not want us to worry, so he has one promise to stop all of our worries, and it is, I will be with thee. I will never leave thee. I will never forsake thee. It's the presence of God that God wants us to be conscious of. He wants us to practice being conscious of his presence. Moses would practice being conscious of the presence of God, of of his presence. Moses would come in his life to become very conscious of and very sensitive to the presence of God. Moses was coming in his life to value the presence of God. Moses would arrive in a place in his life, as we're going to see later, that he will value the presence of God so much in his life that when it comes to going out and making a journey at one point, he'll make this crowning statement about the presence of God in Exodus thirty three fifteen, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. We can just imagine that. You know, Moses saying, you know, if you don't come, I don't want to go. If you go, I'll go. Moses would be singing the song, you know, anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus I am not afraid. Then the song goes on, anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone. Other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over drearest ways. Anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. See, Moses, he could be singing that song because that's what he's talking about, being conscious of the presence of God and giving him the courage to go out because of what God said, certainly I'll be with thee. So seeing Moses become in his life so sensitive to the presence of God, that makes him our leader. That makes also Moses an example that we should follow. And there's a great name for the presence of God because how do we know the presence of God? We know the presence of God by the presence of the unseen Holy Spirit of God And there's a great name for the Holy Spirit that captures the fact that he lives in us and is to call the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit of his presence. The Holy Spirit of his presence. And it really, it follows, that title follows from Psalm 139, verse 7, where David says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? See, the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit of his presence. And that's a goal in our life, that we should make ourselves so actively conscious of the Holy Spirit of his presence, like practice being actively conscious of the presence of God, that God wants us to be so actively conscious of his presence 
that we could say the same thing that Paul said, and Moses could say the same thing that Paul said in Galatians 1, 15 through 16, when he says, when it pleased God to separate, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the, the heathen, immediately I conferred not with fresh, flesh and blood. See, Paul was saying here that there were three things that pleased God. First, it pleased God to separate Paul from his mother's womb. Now, for a Jewish person who turns to the Lord Jesus Christ, saying the word separate has a little bit more meaning than just being born from his mother's womb. It brings back, you know, there is a sense in which the Jewish believer in the Lord Jesus Christ has been separated from his people. If he doesn't feel that, all he has to do is speak about the Lord Jesus Christ, and believe me, they will take care of the separation process. So that's the first thing. And the second thing, it pleased God to call, Paul said, it pleased God to call by his grace, to call Paul by his grace. And we know how the Lord Jesus Christ called Paul on the road to Damascus. He called him first to himself. He called him first to himself to be saved from his sins, and then he called him second into his life work, wherein it says that in Acts 9, 5 through 6, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. So it pleased God, separated from his mother's womb, pleased God, call him by his grace. And third, it pleased God to reveal to Paul his son that was inside of Paul. See, that was the greatest revelation for Paul. He never got over it. It was a lifelong, wonderful discovery of finding the Lord Jesus Christ living inside of Paul in the person of the Spirit of Christ. See, with Paul's separation from the Jewish people, Paul had separated himself from the Jewish people's rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul's call to come to the Lord Jesus Christ and his call to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, but then Paul's discovery that the Lord Jesus Christ was inside of Paul in the person of the Spirit of the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul, and with these three things, these three things, Then Paul says he was ready, he was ready, ready to preach the Lord Jesus Christ among the heathen. And this discovery that the Lord Jesus Christ is inside the believer in the person of the Holy Spirit of his presence, or the person of the Spirit of Christ, as Peter calls him, gives sin a new horribleness. Sin becomes a grieving of the Holy Spirit of his presence. So, for example, the believer who is addicted to alcohol might as well say when he takes a drink, here, Holy Spirit, have a drink. You know, And that brings home the new horribleness to sin. And that was David's greatest concern when he had sinned with Bathsheba, that he had grieved the Holy Spirit of God's presence. And then he said that in Psalm 5111, where David said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Now, from verse 13, Moses has listened very well to what God has said, and Moses has got it down now. He's really got it down. He knows exactly 
how he's going to open up when he meets the Jewish people. And Moses says to God in uh, verse 13, Moses said unto God, Behold, when I come unto the Jewish unto the children of Israel, and shall say unto them, The God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. And they shall say to me, what's his name? In verse 6, Moses had met God, and God had told Moses that he was the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. That was to crystallize in Moses' mind who was God, because he, he was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, I was born into a Jewish family, knew nothing about the Lord Jesus Christ, knew nothing about God as a personal friend, nothing at all. And he didn't know that God could be my friend, didn't know that God could be my comforter, didn't know God could be my strength, didn't know God could be my guide, didn't know any of these things. Absolutely didn't know. And for a Jew, for me as a Jewish person, you know, the idea of church and the, uh, some Christians is like, you don't want to be around them, you don't want to go to church because the minute you say you're a Jew, then they'll start up with, the, well, you're the one who killed our God, we should kill you. And that's what I've always been told. So this was not something warm and fuzzy that you wanted to get close to and say, oh, tell me about your God. And, you know. So what brought about the change in my life that drew me? Well, I met a person from that taboo group, right? the Gentiles. Right? Uh, her name was Cheryl, and she was, uh, she was not Jewish. And, I hadn't, and so they, they, you know, my parents made it very clear to me, you have no business, no business at all to get involved with some of the taboo groups. Stick with your own, boy. Stick with your own. Anyway, but then um, fell in love and got married. And, you know, and I told her when we were married, I said, listen, I says, we come from two different, you know, sides of the tracks. And so, you know, you with the Bible and church and, and Jesus and me with uh, the temple and, you know, not the Bible and certainly not Jesus. And so let's just have a life of neutrality. We'll go right down the middle of the tracks. Not to one side or the other. We won't talk about God and church or anything like that. And that's the way it started off. But we went through some really tough times. Uh, and because, for one thing, my dad had a house in Bel Air, which is not exactly the low-income area of Los Angeles. And, um, you know, and silver spoon in the mouth and money and, and so forth. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, because I had married someone of the taboo group, you know, all of a sudden we're broke, have $100 in my pocket, and we're in living on River Road, which was exactly the low-income area of Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, so things were rough. And so we went through this, and it was a lot of rough times. And what I saw in her was a stability and a security and a love that was coming out of her. And I realized this was coming from her God. And so I got to be honest with you that when I came to God, I didn't come saying, where's the God of Abraham? Where's the God of Isaac? Where's the God of Jacob? I didn't even know those people. But I came saying, where's the God of Cheryl? And the God of Cheryl was the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why I came, because I could see in her life what a real believer in God looked like and what it did for her. And I said, I want, I want that relationship with God also. I want for the God of Cheryl to become the God of Tom. And so when God said to Moses, you know, I am the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, those are real people for Moses, and he understood how God had helped Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
And so when he says, I'm the God of Abraham, in other words, I'm the God of Abraham, as I helped Abraham, I'll help you, Moses. I'm the God of Isaac, as I helped Isaac, I'll help you, Moses, and the Jewish people. As I, I'm the God of Jacob, who became Israel, as I helped him all throughout his life. That's why the book of Genesis is so invaluable, because we've got the histories there documented for us of what the God of Abraham did for Abraham, and likewise God of, and for Isaac and for Jacob. And so this was very, very important. And that's how Moses knew God, who he was. And it was fixed in Moses' mind. He knew God as the God of the fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses knew from verse 10 that it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that had said unto him, come now therefore and I will send thee. And he had this fixed in his mind. And it was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that is sending me to my own Jewish people to deliver them. There was no question in the mind of Moses what his first words out of his mouth were going to be when he encountered the Jewish people. Moses had decided the first thing he was going to say to the Jewish people is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. No question in Moses' mind. His first words for the Jewish people was going to be the God of your fathers. I mean the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He sent me unto you. Now, I want us to freeze that scene in our minds of Moses being sent by God to the Jewish people, of Moses knowing the very first thing he's going to say to the Jewish people is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your fathers has sent me unto you. And let's apply this scene to the believer who has a burden in his heart or her heart for the Jewish people and wants to go to the Jewish people And when a believer goes to the Jewish people, he has to be sent. He has to be sent, like Moses was sent. There's no reluctance to send on God's part. But it says in Romans 10, 13 through 15, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the ultimate that a person could do. Be saved. And how? Call on the name of the Lord. And then it says in verse 14, how shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear? Without a preacher, how shall they preach except they be sent? So for a person to be saved, a person must call on the name of the Lord. And in order for a person to call on the name of the Lord, Paul now asks and answers four vital questions. First, how shall they call unless they believe? Second, how shall they believe unless they hear? Third, how shall they hear unless there's a preacher And fourth, how shall they preach unless the preacher is sent? Put it another way. It's impossible to call unless a person believes. It's impossible to believe unless a person has heard. It's impossible to hear unless there is a preacher. It's impossible to preach unless the preacher is sent. Now, God is in the business of sending. That's what he does. You can say, you know, God in the business of sending messengers to the Jewish people. It said, when he was here, when God was here, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's looking over the capital of the Jewish people, Jerusalem, and he says in Matthew 23, 37, he laments, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. How often I would have gathered 
thy children together as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Now, this verse does not say that those who were sent by God to the Jewish people are going to receive, let's say, the warmest welcome, the warmest reception. It says, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee. So being killed, being stoned, that's not exactly a warm reception, but it doesn't stop God from sending. He's sending. It's like waves, waves, and sending, sending, keep sending, even though they keep killing. He sends, they kill. He sends, they stone. But that's what God does. And so when we focus just on God, when it comes to Israel, God's in the sending business. When it comes to Israel, they're in the killing and the stoning business. But anyway, but Moses knew two things. He knew, one, that he was sent by the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, number two. He knew that that he was sent, and he knew who sent him. And those were going to be the first words, Moses had fixed in his mind, those were going to be the first words that come out of his mouth, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. And if we are going to go to the lost Jewish people, we need to be sure of the same two things. We need to know that we have been sent, and we need to know who sent us. Now, this is where John 8, 24 becomes so vital, where the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking to his enemies, said, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. When he claimed to be, oh, and by the way, when he said that, then they wanted to kill him because they understood what he was saying. They understood that he was claiming to be the I am that I am in our passage here. So he claimed to be the I am, which meant he was claiming to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so when we go to the Jewish people, we need to know that the Lord Jesus Christ has sent us, and we need to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of their fathers. And we have to know that the Lord Jesus Christ is himself God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And just as it was fixed in Moses' mind that that was his first message to the enslaved Jewish people, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you, it's got to be fixed in our mind that our message to the sin-enslaved Jewish people of our day is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord Jesus Christ has sent me unto you. That's important. And it's got to be settled in our minds that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he has sent us to his people. Is that really important, you might ask? Somebody might ask. I don't know. Anyway, someone asks, you ask. Is it really that important for a person to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Is that really important? John 8, 24. If you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. Is it important for a person to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the I am, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? It can determine whether or not a person dies or does not die in his sins. If you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. It can determine whether or not a person goes to heaven or hell. If you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. If a person is not willing to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the great I am, he cannot avoid dying in his sins and being cast into hell. 
That's why for us who go to the Jewish people, we must know we are sent and we must know who sent us and our message is that the Lord Jesus Christ is God and that he took our sins on him as a man so we don't have to die in our sins. And whenever we as believers speak to a lost person, especially a lost Jewish person, that's why we should look at that lost Jewish person and keep saying silently within ourselves, as I do, the words of Moses in verse 14, the words that Moses heard, the God of your fathers hath sent me unto you. Those are the words of Moses. So we, we should keep saying that within our minds in verse 13. The God of your fathers has sent me. We look at a person, we look at a lost person, especially we look at a lost Jewish person, we say within ourselves, the God, of, the God of your fathers has sent me unto you. Without saying it, we just say it, repeating our, the God of your father has sent me unto you. And I love, in verse 13, in that context, those last two words, has sent me unto you. Unto you. Unto you as an individual. God privileges us to speak to his lost ones. That's a privilege that we have from God, to speak to one of his lost people. And when we do that, we need to block out all others and just focus on that person and keep saying silently to ourselves the phrase, especially the last two words, unto you, unto you. God has sent me unto you. The God of your fathers, the Lord Jesus Christ, has sent me unto you. I am determined to do a good job for God who sent me unto you. I'm going to beseech you in God's stead to be reconciled to God. God has sent me unto you. When I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, something occurred that, you know, at first, you know, okay, well, I'm a Jew. I can't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, so I'm Tom the Jew. But the closer I got to him, I realized I am getting closer to my creator. And my creator doesn't see me as Tom the Jew. He sees me as Tom. And that should be the same way as we deal with lost people. We don't see them as in a group, but we see them as individuals, as the way God does. Now, Moses knew he was sent by God. Moses knew what his first words would be. But Moses, he also remembered the last time he encountered the Jewish people. And even though it's been 40 years ago, what they said still is going reverberating in his mind. He still can hear it. And that was in Exodus 2.14, whereas the Jewish people said, and he said, who may be a prince and a judge over us? See, Moses was a very sensitive man. And he wanted to see the Jewish people delivered, and he wanted to to deliver the Jewish people. But Moses kept thinking of that time, his last encounter with the Jewish people, and what they said to him, and they were words of challenge. And they disturbed Moses, and they disturbed Moses for 40 years. And he's been thinking about it. He's been thinking, the last thing they said to me is, who made thee a judge? Who made thee a prince and a judge over us? And there are two parts of that question that bothered Moses. First, the question, who made thee? And second, the title part. And so for the first part, who made thee? Now he's got an answer. You know, well, God has made him. God has sent me. It's God has sent me. Okay, I got that part down. But the second part they were asking is when they said, who made thee a prince and a judge over us? See, in that question, Moses knew that the Jewish people were asking, what's your title, Moses? What is your title? You're a prince over us? You're a judge over us? What? And so now Moses could answer from what God said to him, Moses can answer, no, I'm a deliverer. God sent me to come bring you forth, to deliver you. I'm a deliverer. So Moses knew that God had made him a deliverer to the Jewish people. So Moses could go to the Jewish people and say, color me deliverer. 
hang a title on me, deliverer. Think of me a deliverer. That's how, that's how God is sending me to you. That's my title, deliverer. But the problem that Moses was seeing is that when the Jewish people asked him the question, you know, about what's your title? Are you a prince or a judge? That he was thinking to himself, you know, the Jewish people, they want to know titles, 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 titles. Tell me, Moses, titles. Is your title prince? Is your title judge? And so Moses is anticipating that the Jewish people are going to want to know what's God's title. So by asking for God's name, you know, they weren't asking, you know, is, is God's name John or Sam? You know, they were asking for his title. In fact, as a matter of fact, the word in Hebrew for name here is the word Shem, and that really does mean title or position or authority. And God has many names, many titles, and Moses knows that, and he knows that he's going to come into a very difficult situation. So Moses is asking God for help. He's saying, give me counsel, tell me, help me. What Among all your names, you select, please, the best name that I'm to go out with when they ask me the question, what's his title, what's his name? And that'll be where we will uh, pick this up in our, in our next lesson. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word, how invaluable it is to us. And we pray, Lord, that the words of your mouth, Lord, the words that proceed out of your mouth might be our food. Lord, might be like the manna that falls from heaven, that sustains us. Thank you, Lord, for hearing us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, you can find Friendship with God and Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook. You can also go to our website at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or you can call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Especially if you want a free gift for a lost Jewish person.